0: what a cocaine's amount of, of coffee coffee today mm. and I'm gonna apologize in advance because I feel like this <laughs> so if you're not there then sorry welcome
1: to SVU pod especially heinous <laughs> we're on season three I'm episodes... Tasha hold on I'm Gabe <laughs> okay <laughs> we're on season three episode six redemption After I watched it again this morning, I was like, Mm. this is, this entire episode is like a Lincoln Dicks episode.
0: It is so good. Okay, also, Lincoln Dicks, we got multiple messages from people about Lincoln Dicks being what's known as docking in the gay community. And I had never heard of anything other than space docking.
1: What is that? Is that like a poop thing, though?
0: It is. It's a poop thing. So Google it. I'm not... i know i've heard of it i just can't remember but like duh obviously if there's like a thing that we're not gonna discover something new that guys can do with their dicks like we're not going to it's yeah it's been explored it's been discovered fucking every dude is his own personal magellan like we (laughs) okay yeah but yes i agree this episode is there's so many man feelings
1: yeah
0: a whole Um, new world (laughs) (laughs)
1: All right. Okay. So we're in the opening scene. We're in a courtroom and a lawyer is asking Stabler questions on the stand. He's like, so you stated under oath that you had tested everyone who had any personal contact with Leslie Bellow. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, you never tested her teacher. You never tested the bus driver or the plumber that fixed the bathroom when she was homesick from school. And he's like, uh, yeah, Leslie never identified those people as her rapist. Mm-hmm. This, this lawyer legitimately says, quote, an eight year old's never lie. I was like, Wow. Yeah, and yeah. then Cabot obviously is like, "I object," and he and it's withdrawn. I fucking hate that mm-hmm. when they're like, "I object," it's withdrawn because they already said it and the jury already heard it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You like right. withdraw it from the record,
0: and then it's like you have to disregard that. And it's like, well, we're humans. <laughs>
1: yeah, we already so all humans. know that we're all stupid. Like that are our... it's in. It's in the hard drive now. Yeah, now it's Cabot's turn to question Stabler. Cabot asks Stabler who Leslie identified as her rapist. He says her grandfather Frederick Bellow. No more fucking questions. Goddamn right there isn't.
0: Yeah. Hard pan in on some old man from the Shire who's playing Frederick Bellow, which we don't end up seeing again. But I'm just like, he looked like he was an extra in The Hobbit.
1: He did. Yeah. He looks like a really sweet little old grandpa. Ugh, you know I was, you. yeah so stabler leaves the courtroom and talks to whom i'm assuming is leslie and her mother she's just like this cute little girl sitting on a bench and she's like holding a teddy bear and she asks him how scary court is and he tells her it was a piece of cake and she'll be fine she asks him to go in there with her but he can't go in but, but he said he'll be waiting for her when she's done so she hands him her little teddy bear oh <laughs> She's like really scared, but she has to be in the same room with the person that raped her, who's also her fucking grandpa.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Stabler's like he can't hurt you anymore.
0: I fucking hate this. I hate that she has to be brave and relive this trauma at eight. And yeah, you know that fucking douchebag lawyer too is just gonna drag her on the stand.
1: Yeah, drag an eight-year-old on the stand. It's
0: disgusting.
1: I know. Now we're in the squad room. Stabler comes in. He's pissed. Olivia asks him how it went, and he's like, they let him go. They let him walk. Yeah. So the grandpa was the only person in the house who had gonorrhea and gave it to this fucking girl. And Stabler's pissed that he got to walk. And then he like sexily throws coffee cups everywhere. <laughs> he
0: karate chops a stack of coffee cups of like of like styrofoam coffee cups, which startles Olivia, and she just stands there stunned as Stabe storms off with his donkey booty. He just like mm. <laughs> Yeah.
1: It's funny. It'd be funny to see, like, you know how when there's like Like um, tennis games, and a ball goes somewhere, and there's like a a kid runs out, and there's like 20 kids running out picking up the coffee cups, like little detective apprentices or something.
0: (laughs) Yeah like there's so, so many like door kicks and like karate chop shits going on in this episode i think it's all the testosterone
1: yeah it's like a
0: i want to make a compilation of that <laughs> for this episode
1: so now we're at the no apartments the whole gang's there so the cops let them know that it's a rape homicide the victim is 25 year old jennifer walton the body was found by her friend in the morning and the camera pans over to this woman like crying and holding this like it's not king
0: charles dog or like king charles cavalier yeah this dog is i don't Know this for a fact, but I I know a dog when I see one. Okay,
1: (laughs) good because you have one. You're like I've had this rabbit for two years. His
0: name is Walter. He's huge. I (laughs) no, I mean this dog is the dog from the episode where that vet was fucking around. Oh yeah, the the wife who was a vet and she was doing some shit with this King Charles, and I was like, oh. I wonder if that's somebody's dog that they like brought in. Oh, we need a dog in this scene. Oh, I'll bring fucking Charlie. I named him Charlie because he's the King Charles, you know. And this is the the same dog. It's the same markings and everything. It's the same fucking Mm. dog. It's the boom mic operator's dog. P.S. There's a scene in this where you can see the boom mic operator in a reflection of like a TV. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Mm -hmm. Fun fact.
1: Okay, so there's a hole punched through the door, of course. Like, a a fucking Kyle-sized hole. (laughs) (laughs) They go into a room, and they see a woman tucked in her bed. Her face is, like, completely beat to shit, and there's, like, blood everywhere. Coroner Warner is there and says her hands were tied behind her back with pantyhose. She was beat, throat slit, and raped. And there's too much blood to tell if there's any fluid, so they have to test. Like, any seminal fluids. Toots finds a white rose laying on the bed on a pillow... And Stabler is fucking not having it right now. And, and while there is like a dead beat up fucking woman in the room, he whispers to himself loud enough that Olivia could hear it, but he's like and I thought my day couldn't get any worse. And I was like
0: your fucking day, bro? <laughs> Olivia looks up at him like, "Seems like her day's the bad one, but okay. I'll just sure. go call her immediate family and let them know you're having a hard day."
1: Yeah. Theme She's song. Like, so we're still at the apartment. Munch and Toots are interviewing a neighbor like outside of the door.
0: She's a short-haired little old lady and she's holding a Westie and like craning her neck, trying to see around Munch and Toots into the crime scene. That is not a Westie. Yes, it was. No,
1: there's no way. Hold on. Oh yeah. Well, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she says that Jennifer told her last month that she was going away with somebody named David. He's tall, graying hair and brought her all kinds of flowers.
0: This piques Toot's interest and he's like, oh, what kind of flowers? She's like, daisies, begonias, roses. And we're all like,
1: roses? (laughs) Yeah. She's like, I think they were fighting last night. He was yelling really loud about how she was trying to ruin his life. And she's like feeling guilty about not checking up on her.
0: Yeah. She's like, I should have checked up on her.
1: (gasps) Yeah. She's like, I got to go feed her dog. And they're like, no. She's also just like trying to see shit, you know?
0: You can see that she's got kind of like a nosy energy the whole time they're talking.
1: Yeah. So Stabler is interviewing the friend that found her, the one that was holding the dog. She said Jennifer worked at Wheaton Department Store and they were supposed to meet for drinks, but Jennifer had somebody from work pop by, and the friend heard a man's voice in the background while she was talking to Jennifer. And Stabler's like, What well, kind of worked up and just being dumb and
0: You can really see his edginess yeah like if there was a stack of styrofoam coffee cups laying around he would smack the shit out of them right now
1: (laughs) yeah he's like what did he sound like and she's like i don't know like "Like, did he have an accent my friend is nervous about what's going on you can really tell and like he's being pushy and the girl is getting kind of scared and she's like i'm not sure and sabler whispers is there anything you're sure about i'm like jesus Mm -hmm. like this chick's friend just died
0: and the whole time yeah the camera's cutting to olivia and she's like like you know just kind of looking over
1: yeah she notices and she's like hey elliot come here You know
0: yeah she doesn't like it and neither do i
1: yeah he comes over to olivia and they're at the coffee table and it looks like jennifer was entertaining there's a glass of wine with lipstick on it the other glass is in the kitchen completely washed along with the knife
0: like the dude's some kind of neat freak or something
1: yeah But there's blood on the couch. It looks like he dragged her from the couch to her bedroom. So back in the bedroom, all of her clothes are laid out nice and neat and folded.
0: But they've got blood all over them, Mm -hmm. making it super creepy.
1: Yeah. All the buttons are gone from the perp, like literally ripping them off.
0: And there's no sign of a struggle. So they assume she was either stunned or knocked out completely while he assaulted her
1: coroner warner says that they're looking for a left-handed person because he drew the blade across her throat slicing her left carotid and it's spraying all over the wall above the bed mm. so then the perp heads to the bathroom and showers he even takes his dirty towels with him
0: yeah this whole once over of explanation is given to us by benson she's the one who's like oh then this happened then this happened stabler doesn't say a word until he's a total dick and he's like oh you got it all figured out yeah and
1: she's like um at least i'm trying
0: And then she just kind of walks past him. And I'm like, way to keep your cool, Liv. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's clearly looking for a fight right now.
1: Oh, my God. And and like, what if he's just so angry? He like looks at Olivia and she's just a pile of coffee cups and he knocks her over. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like those cartoons where you're really hungry and then your friend's face turns into like a chicken leg or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Look into each
0: other's eyes. (laughs) (laughs) First time we'll be here. I (laughs) do. Okay. Now we're at the precinct. Cragen wonders if it's a crime of passion because of the intensity of like how badly she was beaten. the Guy was full of rage. And Olivia goes, but he wasn't out of control. He still had the presence of mind to clean up after himself. Huang said that maybe violence is soothing to him. Like the initial outburst causes a flood of serotonin, making him feel better as he acts out his anger. Mm -hmm. This whole time, Stabler started pacing around and he deep sighs and exhales in a defeated voice. He's like, so what are we looking for? Mm -hmm. Huang thinks that the guy is probably charming, intelligent and articulate, to answer Stabler's question and Stabler's like "Mm," and just walks away
1: (laughs) yeah he like leaves Kragan's office
0: he looks like Paul Rudd having to pick up (laughs) shit in Wet Hot American Summer that's how he rolls out of the room so yeah Stabler's just like "Mm," walks away Yeah, he like needs a vacation. Big time. Mm -hmm. So Benson tells Craig that she and Stabler are going to head to Wheaton's department store to follow up on the person that stopped by Jennifer's house and apologizes for her partner with her eyes. Mariska's doing a hell of a lot of facial acting in these first Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. I said that before realizing that's her entire gig this episode. It's just a lot of shifty eye work. The emotional
1: labor that fucking Olivia has to put up with from Mm. her partner at work mm-hmm. is just bananas.
0: Like it's no wonder that she doesn't have time for a romantic relationship. Like she's giving all of that shit that like a dude that she could be fucking to Stabler.
1: Yeah. And Munch and Toots and Craigan. And M- Yeah, and- everybody. Yeah. All the
0: all the dudes. Yeah. So everyone's kind of surprised that Stabler left. I'm not. He's a little hothead. Yeah. Okay. This is not surprising to me. Craig tells Munch and Toots to stick with forensics because there's gotta be something the perp left behind.
1: So now we're in coroner Warner's office. Jennifer is totally fucked up. Like her face is just pummeled. The pattern of the bruising, it looks like he beat her with his fist. And he probably could have cut himself on some of the teeth he knocked in. Like some of her teeth were gone and some were embedded in her soft palate, which is just fucked crazy. Yeah. Toot says he's going to check out ER rooms in the area to see if there's any hand injuries. Coroner Warner says there's traces of spermicide and no semen, so the guy used a condom. There are these two circular incisions on her chest where her skin was taken.
0: Yeah, they look to be about two inches in diameter each mm-hmm. you know they like they weren't small
1: yeah and then coroner warner says that this chick went through hell and that death was probably a blessing for her <sighs> which i was like damn so now we're in wheaton's department store stabler and benson are talking to jennifer's co-worker or boss or whoever and she's asking her if she knows anyone named david and this lady is like immediately riled up she's like oh yeah david Stedman. he's the manager of woman's shoes he's married but doesn't stop him from like just hounding women she says he still chased women Even after Tammy and Cosmetics filed a harassment suit, like somebody filing a fucking harassment suit didn't stop him from still trying to fuck chicks at work. Yeah. Tammy transferred to the Brooklyn store because David wouldn't back off. He started focusing on Jenny and started coming around on breaks. This lady is like, really? She like fucking hates this guy. She's like, I tried to warn Jenny up the escalators to the right. That's where this fucking guy is.
0: Yeah. And Jenny always insisted to her that they were just friends.
1: Yeah. She's like, that's impossible. He can't be just friends with women. Right, then you meet the guy, and you're like, yeah,
0: yeah, ew. So they go up in the skies in the women's shoes department. He's got his hand wrapped in a bandage, and he's rubbing on this woman's leg as he's trying to help her put on shoes, telling her how sexy they make her legs look. And she seems to be into it. She's like, "Mm -hmm, but they're so expensive. And And he's like,
1: you're worth it.
0: (laughs) He kind of looks like Richard Geary to me. Later, he doesn't. In this moment, he does. So Stabler rolls up on him and flashes his badge.
1: And he's like, I'm I'm busy, I'm talking and then the lady's like, Yeah, I think you should talk to them and then he like looks back and sees the badge and he's like his face He's like, God damn it, I fuck too much (laughs) <laughs> we're in the interrogation room. Benson asks about his hand. He like now just registers that Benson's in the room and he's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it Does like a weird up and down fucking thing. And uh, Stabler like kind of walks <laughs> in between his eyeline over to him. He said he broke a knuckle banging it against a door. Oh, and then we're like, oh my god, that lady's had a door had a hole in it. Mm-hmm. Benson says that the neighbor saw him go into an apartment and then that they were arguing and he's like, I never fucking touched her.
0: He doesn't even know that he's there for jennifer walden stabler strolls around behind the dude and goes she really must have pissed you off jennifer walden and he's like what
1: yeah he's like i never touched her i was mad because jennifer threatened to talk to my boss for harassment and then stabler gets in his face and accuses him of murdering her and he was like he like genuinely seemed confused he was like what she's dead
0: okay so benson says that the neighbor saw him go into her apartment and that they were arguing stabler's like you get off on beaten women make you feel good and i'm like this is gonna escalate mm-hmm. okay david said that he never touched jennifer and that he'll pay for the damn door and he's being cocky and stabler does not do well with that and we all know it mm-hmm. stabler like fast squats right in this dude's face and goes what set you off there shoe boy
1: <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i loved it and then all of a fucking sudden stabler picks the dude up and throws him against the wall and benson's like elliot so he's got the dude by his neck and saying, like, why did you kill her? She made fun of you. She made fun of your manhood. Said you had a small dick. Why'd you do it? Mm-hmm. Benson is trying to get Stabler to calm down.
0: It's like Stomp in this room with orchestral drums, like, bah, ba The percussion section of the background music to SVU is going nuts. <laughs> yeah. Somebody got carpal tunnel after doing this fucking scene. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he says, he's like, uh, oh, she threw me out at seven. And, blah. and Stabler's like, bullshit. And he's like, oh, my God, uh, I was at the hospital by eight. Go to the ER at M- Mercy General. He's like, he's like, oh, my God. And he was like pointing yeah. Stabler's chest. Like, oh, my God, I like I have a thing.
0: I, I have an alibi. I'm so glad that you notice that. Like every word he says, he's tapping Stabler's chest. And then yeah. you can see Olivia standing between them and she's going to rip a fucking cornea with how much eye darting she's doing back and forth I know. between the guys. Yeah. Stabler's so heated up, boiling over,
1: mm-hmm. zero self-control. Right. I don't know how he has a job because every episode is like this. Yeah. It's all controlling Stabler. He's, he's one of the best detectives I have. Okay. Really? There's a lot of good detectives that are, can keep their shit together. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's a hard job. Everybody has a breaking point. Well, he does every second episode for 23 years. Right. Like... <laughs> <laughs> now we're doing a walk and talk. Benson's pissed at Stabler. And she's like, what is going on?
0: Yeah. She's like, you looking for a lawsuit? He's calling his lawyer.
1: Yeah. And he's like, I'm just cutting through the crap, man. Benson's like, dude, it's my ass, too. And he's like, don't worry. I'll make sure it's covered. She's just like, oh, my God.
0: You say cutting through the crap. I say not regulating your emotional state. One <laughs> tomato, one tomato,
1: whatever. One single tomato. So we're at Mercy General Hospital now. Benson and Stabler are talking to a front nurse.
0: I love her. I love I her. To it. She's so fucking intense. She's like, David Stedman signed in at 745 p.m., discharged at 1252 a.m. She's a lot. Yeah. she get two lines, but she's like, these are going to fucking count.
1: <laughs> right. So he wasn't lying. He kept hitting mm-hmm. on the nurse, too. And it took so long for David to get in because every time he made a pass at her, she knocked him to the bottom of the list. So as they're leaving, Benson answers her phone and a woman is rushed in.
0: They bust in the doors right behind them. and Yeah. Like, Push through Benson and Stabler yeah. With the stretcher
1: mm-hmm. And then Benson gets off the phone and she's like hey So that was Munch looks like we just met the second Victim so
0: yeah cause Munch is already At the crime scene
1: Mm -hmm. So
0: they're already there. (laughs) Back on it, kids. Benson marches in the direction of that the stretcher went and Stabler follows like kind of in a daze, literally shakes his head back and forth, like trying to shake it off. Mm -hmm. This is the Stabler being like overwhelmed and overworked version of that touch by an angel episode where he's like, oh, I've got a cold. Like it's every scene we get reminded that like this is too much. There's too much. Oh my God. It's so
1: funny how often you bring up that episode. Just. but it but i love it because it's like for some reason everything like relates to that somehow and yet you know?
0: nothing relates to
1: it <laughs> i know okay so now we're in the squad room the second victim is Celia Mitchum she's a 25-year-old teacher's aide at Thornton Elementary the landlord found her tucked into bed face beaten throat cut hands tied the perp showered and left a white rose just like
0: Jennifer he even did the dishes
1: Huang asks everyone if they've seen this ML before, and Stabler's like, We're we're checking with Vicap. Huang says the dude is too organized to be a first timer. Munch points out that the perp has a type blonde, blue eyes, petite, and works with children. So Huang thinks it's like a romantic ideal, Mm -hmm. and that the white rose is a symbol of innocence and purity.
0: I just like how Toots describes this guy hanging out with Celia. He's like, Had some coffee, munching on some chocolates. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He doesn't have a whole lot of lines this episode, but they're all great.
1: Yeah. The problem is, women are fucking human beings and don't completely fill this dude's fantasy and his Mm -hmm. frustrations keep escalating so because of the wine for jennifer and chocolates for celia they think the perp tailored his approach and he may have been watching and studying them Mm -hmm. huang thinks he's like a white educated probably middle management dude so stabler jumps in all sassy and says why didn't you pick up on this before huang kind of like side eyes him and he's like um because the pattern didn't emerge until the second victim (laughs) like (laughs) What is there ever a scene
0: where Kwong loses his
1: shit? Not so far, but I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see him
0: flip a fucking table full of 50 (laughs) stacks of cups. (laughs) And Stabler's like, wow, that's been building for 50 (laughs) stacks of cups. That's how you know how angry somebody is. Like Staves was really angry, but he only knocked over maybe twenty-five cups. Yeah. When Huang loses it, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a nine hundred cup situation. Yeah, fifty and up cups. It's gonna be a Costco <laughs> palette of cups. What would it take? Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> what would it
1: take? Stabler's like, okay, well. How long do you think it's been going on? And Huang thinks the dude has been doing it probably five to ten years, long enough to have a sophisticated MO. And then this fucking beast of a man, Detective Hawkins, walks in, and everybody's like, what?
0: He says, you'll have to go a lot farther than that, Elliot. And the staler looks at him and he's like, John, what do you need? He's like, a few minutes with your boss.
1: Yeah, and, and then he walks into Craigen's office and Kragan's like, come on, Elliot, come on, dude, let's hang out. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it sounds <laughs> everybody's seriously like for some reason like their eyes are wide and, yeah dude's like who the hell is that that's not how dude sounds at all and Stabler's like wider. and I was like yum.
0: <laughs> and I'm like oh, is that Boone from the wildly problematically titled movie The Indian in the Covered <gasps> yes oh my god that's
1: where I recognize him from he
0: plays yes you do he plays Boone the cowboy that's right So now we're in Cragen's office. Cragen asked Stabler to shut the door. Stabler had taken Hawkins' class in Academy. Hawkins has some info he thinks could relate to the serial killer. And he mentions Roger Barry. In the early 80s, he was the Soho Strangler. Hawkins had put him away, but he had just been paroled six months ago. And Stabler's like, well, maybe it's a copycat because the Vicks in these new attacks have their throat cut instead of being strangled. And Hawkins is like, um, okay, well, he ties them with a Navy slipknot and leaves a white rose and we never really least that info so Mm -hmm. actually he says it like really southern stabler says that barry was a biter but hawkins thinks he still is only now he cuts the bite marks off their chest so you can't identify him by dental records and stabler's like okay yeah well thanks we'll check it out see you later hawkins is confidently and a little cockily like you can ride with me like he's not leaving okay Mm -hmm. and then hawkins turns around to leave the room like you should be following me now Mm mm-hmm Kragan tells Stabler that the brass called and Hawkins has a lot of experience with Barry and he's been temporarily reassigned to SVU. The camera pans close to Stabler's face and he, and he, angri- I know. <laughs> he angry whispers, oh, so now I need a babysitter. And Craigen's like, oh, this is not a reflection on you. And Stabler's like, this isn't right, Captain. And Craigen's like, it is how it is. And Stabler's yeah. like, yeah. And leaves. Yeah. Why does Stabler get such a pass to be a stupid fucking douche? Like you think. Is it his fat ass Gabe? It's his fat ass. Yeah. Okay. You'd think that you would think that in an investigation
1: when somebody has a lot of information on something you'd mm-hmm. be like oh sweet maybe we can catch this guy sooner
0: yeah i know but whenever they bring somebody in they're like d- uh, d-. stabler walks out of craigen's office and he finds hawkins in the squad room giving the gang the lowdown on roger berry benson tells stabes he seems like a real take charge kind of guy in a way that tells me that she may not love that Mm-hmm. Or she's like, fucking great, another alpha dick that I'm gonna have to hear about at that bar where we drink half beers together. <laughs> right. Toots tells Hawkins that Celia's apartment was wiped clean except for a contact lens on the floor and Celia has 2020 vision. Celia's the second victim that mm-hmm. we just dealt with. And Hawkins like oh, Roger's got lousy eyesight. Like this is all coming together. Mm -hmm. Benson asks where they can find Barry. His parole office has him working at a flower shop on 32nd. The white roses! (laughs) Okay. Hawkins tells Munch to check out the flower shop. Benson picks up the phone and immediately puts it back down and tells Staves the lab has some shit for him. And Hawkins is like, so go. Elliot and I can take care of ourselves, can't we? Tiny nod. And this dude is barking orders. Like, the way Mm -hmm. he said that to Olivia, (laughs) nobody likes it. Her
1: face, she was like like disgusts me yeah
0: (laughs) i'm watching it and at first i'm like fuck this dude he can't come in like this and then i'm like you know what you can't come in any other way with these territorial babies though yeah like remember the therapist cabot anyone who's halfway nice they're like get out of here and they have to like earn their respect
1: yeah i love that therapist because like the third thing she said out of her mouth was like i know you guys are weird about it but like we're just trying to get this done cool and they're like okay cool
0: yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) But so this guy's approach is like, yeah, just fucking elbowing his way through everybody. Yeah. So Benson heads down to the lab per Hawkins fucking pushing her down there. This fucking lab guy. Oh, my God. I loved him. I adored him. He looks like Boston Rob from Survivor. <laughs> if I anybody thinking, watched Survivor like 15 years ago, they're going to know who I'm talking
1: about. I was thinking Doogie Howser's best friend.
0: No. Hold on. Not even close. That. But anyway, he's like not even close. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee cups, chocolates. Roses, silverware, wasn't able to get anything. He did use the same navy slipknot on both victims. This guy is so New York y, so New York but with a lab coat on makes it funny. It's like, um, <laughs> it's like those <laughs> stereotypes that you have of different parts of the country, like how in the Midwest, you know, if somebody came in to the lab and I was like, oh, holy cow, we were trying to get DNA off of all this evidence here, but really couldn't come up with anything. Nobody would think I was smart enough to be doing that job. Mm <laughs> hmm right or like a southern accent and how they are get ser- stereotyped as stupid and whatever well. this guy right so <laughs> not that I'm saying people in New York are stupid and also every time he would talk about something he would like hold it up like he was doing an infomercial for said object (laughs) but she's like what about the contact lens and he's like contact lens guy who lost it's lucky he didn't run into any doors we (laughs) calibrated the prescription at 2150 and the whole time he's holding this vial up showing it to Olivia like he's a five hour energy drink spokesperson okay right? Yeah. and she's it's cartoonish it's like she's a live action person and a Roger rabbit movie and this guy's a Mm -hmm. fucking cartoon she's like is there any dna on it and he's like nope but we found hair samples from the drain traps from both (laughs) apartments. they don't belong to either victim but they matched each other good news there was still a barb attached on one of them if there's enough dna we can run it against the sample they took from roger barry when he was paroled (laughs) And olivia's like now all we have to do is find him, and he's like a doo doo.
1: This guy is supposed to be a bartender. That's like giving them information. That's how he's like presenting it. Like
0: yeah, yeah. I saw him he's- come in at two p.m. I don't know, but he's like it's just funny because he's got that accent, but then he's peppering in the way a lab operator would. T- lab operator. <laughs> scientist forensics <laughs> lab dude yeah we got some samples there's bobs there's bobs on that one hair sample <laughs> we're gonna be able to get it
1: i wonder if we see him as the lab dude for a little while like they were trying to make it happen mm. like make him happen and then a distant stick or
0: something yeah and they're like can you like tone it down and he's like sure no problem <laughs> <laughs> sure. i got okay. that i got that dna for you <laughs> Benson, Benson, what are you doing after this? I got tickets to the Sox game. want to have half a beer? <laughs> you want to have half a beer? We can go to the bar. We can watch the uh, the White Sox. And they can, uh, you know, play in the baseball. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think of sports stuff.
1: Okay. So now we're at like Roger Berry's apartment complex. And Hawkins is just, well, first he says to Stabler, is your partner always so friendly? And mm. he's like, no, she just doesn't like you. But I was, I was also like, she literally didn't talk to you. Right, like why didn't you say that about anybody else in the fucking
0: room? And why would she need to be friendly to you when you were being such a cock to her? Yeah, it's like you were like <laughs> at her, and she was supposed to be like, sure thing, no problem, great to meet you. <laughs> she didn't even she, she didn't even say anything. She no, she like did what he whatever. They go to Roger Barry's apartment door, and Hawkins knocks on the door. He's like. Tu, 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 tu. Oh, must be out walking the dog yeah. and fucking karate kicks the door open. This guy's seen Roadhouse like a thousand times. He's been waiting to like fucking spin kick. He like turns
1: around, he turns his back at the door and was like must be out walking the dog and like turns back around and just like kicks the door open and you're like what? God. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But it was still somehow like sexy to me yeah to you yeah to me (laughs) i don't think they're allowed to do that by the way (laughs) anyways oh yeah probably not because he literally knocked twice and he's like hey you there (laughs) 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 so stabler asks him if he has a warrant he's like i don't need it." it's the po prerogative and he's like i don't fucking see the po dude and hawkins is just going through his jaws he's like he'll be here This hawk dude is fucking rogue as fuck. Yes. He's like future Stabler, I think. Also, this house is like kind of, is pretty messy. There's like pictures of boats all over the wall, like almost like children painted them.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. And Stabler immediately is kind of skeptical when they go into the apartment because he's like, I don't know, this, like, our dude is really tidy like neat as a pin this guy doesn't seem that way huang said this dude was probably middle management and meticulous and the apartment's just like a little disheveled i mean it's just Mm -hmm. not the way you would expect it and Mm -hmm. hawkins is like meticulous check the bed hospital corners and he he like
1: literally lifts up the entire mattress too you're like calm down just point to it and also gabe was like (laughs) but it's like just point to the all you have to do is do this Right. (laughs) You know, just point to it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Hawkins finds newspaper clippings of Jennifer and Celia, the two victims. And then Eddie Tobias, the PO officer, shows up. I was not expecting him to show up.
1: Uh, I thought that Uh uh, Hawkins was lying. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Eddie says Barry wasn't at work and he's not at the apartment either hawk thinks barry's at his mom's in queen's and he Mm. walks with such purpose to the car you know Mm -hmm. he doesn't say that he he turns and his cape flutters behind him to the car (laughs) that's pretty much
1: yeah i mean that's how he is the whole episode he's like
0: he walk every room he walks out of he's like everyone should be following me
1: yeah now we're at barry's mom's house this lady is fucking super cute and old i loved her Especially now, even more, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. when I f- figure out stuff. But she's, like, in this little gardening outfit. She's old as dirt. Like, she is old. Yes. Hawk and Taylor walk up, and she's like, "You," With, like, the most, like, disdain for a little mm-hmm. white lady that she can muster. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's like, I got nothing to say. You yeah.
0: trespassing!
1: Hawk tells her that her son's been killing again. So, at this point, I'm like, this lady is a mom who's, like, totally in denial of her kid being a serial rapist and a killer. And she's, she's totally... Me Hawk for tricking him. Mm -hmm. She's like, you took 18 years of my son's life. Mm -hmm. Hawkins tells her if she's hiding him again, he'll charge her with an accessory. She's like,
0: I'm not scared of you. She like goes to the top of the stairs and has an oxygen tank there. Yeah. And she's just fucking holding her own while she's taking shots of oxygen. (laughs)
1: Mm-hmm. go
0: to hell yeah and she goes inside and slams the door on him
1: and i was like ha <laughs> and stabler's like are we trying to fucking kill this lady and he's like oh she's tougher than she looks and you're like oh my god literally calm down guy yeah but he says she one time hit barry for three weeks in her basement while like two women wound up dead so stabler's like dude hawk man hawk bro hawk guy sometimes finesse goes a long way and then Hawkins says, fucking quote, finesse is for face. And I was like, whoa, I like was not yeah. expecting that. And I was like, oh, I forgot. It's then.
0: Yes. <laughs> I was still like, wow, that, that was 2001. Like, that wasn't OK, right? That no, okay but people said that shit all the time. I know, but it was like on TV, too. I know. I don't know.
1: That's how it's like, So like
0: weird. I know. I forget how old I am.
1: Well, it, it's not even that long ago is the thing. It's like, Jesus, no i was you know, ugh, it's just weird and gross okay so stabler pivots and he, like gets in hawk's face and he's like i don't care how many strings you pulled to get here you're working my case from now on we do it my way you got that
0: stabler is trying to stabler this guy
1: yeah and then they're so close to each other's faces mm-hmm. he's like hey are you hungry and stabler's like what did you even hear me and he's like yes i heard you but like i'm super hungry i'm gonna pass out let's go to the place where fucking barry goes to eat every day yeah. And I can tell that stabler's like, going to learn his lesson from this guy, like, to not, not let the job turn him into a bitter asshole like him.
0: And also, like, his normal intimidation tactics are not going to work. Right. On Hawk. Now we're at Charlie's Bar and Grill. The bartender said that Barry started coming back a
1: few months ago, still orders the same food, and I super love this guy because he reminds me of the dad from Everybody Loves Raymond, right? Yes. Yeah.
0: Fucking slam dunk. Yeah. Bro like Holy. that he does his accent's amazing I love every extra's accent in this in this episode so they come in they ask about Barry and he goes oh yeah Roger he started coming in a few months back orders the same dinner cheeseburger and a rupee takes it to his table Stabler watches the dude go put a reserve sign on a table and he's like do he have a standing reservation and he's like well <laughs> he's a little off it's got to be that table or nothing. He'll wait an hour for people to leave. So I put a little sign up, save him the trouble. Mm-hmm. Hawkins orders them cheeseburgers and drinks. I want a greasy bar cheeseburger. So I know. Bad. He orders a bourbon neat, and Stabes orders a domestic beer, both great with a greasy bar burger. Mm. So Hawkins thinks that Barry's going to show up because that's his routine Stabler gives him some attitude he
1: was like you sure are cocky for a guy that's been striking out all day or something
0: and Hawkins like bro what's your deal and Stabler's like I don't like grandstanders and Hawkins goes I thought you were gonna say grandfathers and I'm like ooh Hawkins with the zingers so he's referencing the beginning of the episode where Stabler was on the stand to convict fucking the Hobbit for assaulting his granddaughter and then getting off on it. Yeah. But Hawkins is really he's not being a dick here. He's he's warming him up. He's like so
1: he's slowly unzipping his pants, pulling out his dick. He's like, Hey, I'm here for the Lincoln. Oh. <laughs> I was like
0: <laughs> Yeah, he's I it, pulling
1: out his dick. <laughs> I didn't need to say it that way. Yeah. But I did. You, said
0: you made it very sexual when really it's just about a. He's like m- making eye contact and pulling out a stick under <laughs> the table. He's like, and he's like, "Hey, link, link <laughs> up, brother." <laughs> so Hawk takes a sip of his bourbon and goes, "That was a tough one to lose." And this this opens stabes up. Mm-hmm. Stabler's like, "I had that motherfucker," and Hawk was like, "You did your job." Stabler's like, "It's not enough anymore." Hawk comes back and says. We're never gonna win this war, you know. Stabler is feeling that case and I'm loving this connection they're making, by the way. Mm-hmm. Also Hawkins is smoking in the bar and I'm like, Remember? Yeah. Hawkins asks Staves if he's gonna quit. Stabler's like, I don't know. And we're like
1: I was like, Oh my god, I wonder if he actually does.
0: <laughs> does he quit?
1: <laughs> Hawk says, All that is required for evil to triumph is for a few good men to do nothing. Then cheers to a few good men. I was like,
0: Bleh. and that's him being like, "Don't quit, bra." Right. Staves is like, "I'm not gonna quit, brother <laughs> Give me and my like, dick back. Can I, I unlink my dick? I gotta go pee. <laughs> yeah, I
1: just saying that. I can't get my dick back. I have to go to the bathroom. That's what. I- <laughs> Stabler's phone rings. It's Munch. Munch tells Stabler that Barry made a flower delivery to Jennifer's house a week before she was murdered. She's the first victim. Hawk says that's how Barry had access to the victims last time. Stabler says he got fired from the flower shop for threatening a customer.
0: I would love to be a fly on the wall for that, too. I worked at a flower shop greenhouse place when I was a kid, and that would have been so fucking out of place yeah you know what i mean like somebody threatening a customer also i got in trouble for using a british accent with customers out of boredom at that place (laughs) all right so the bartender
1: hands them their food and hawkins says that barry is late the bartender tells him that sometimes barry watches the boats on pier 41 which makes sense all those boats in his apartment Mm -hmm. hawkins is like Damn, and takes this like huge bite of his burger and they fucking book out the bar, which yeah. I, if I was that hungry, where I felt I was going to pass out, I feel like I would just run with it. <laughs> I would <laughs> you know? just take the burger with me. Like,
0: yeah, a burger is made to like a burger is made for a walk and talk.
1: Yeah. So the bartender says in the most like everybody loves Raymond's dad's way, like, hey, who's going to pay for this?
0: You know, it was like exactly <laughs> like,
1: yeah. And he like did the shoulder thing and everything. And I was like, is this the
0: guy? Yeah. And then Ray Romano comes in and he's like. Oh, jeez, Pops.
1: All right. So now we're on Pier 41. You see the guy, you see his back. um, Stabler and Hawk flank like each side of him slowly. They have the guns out. Music is swelling up.
0: Yeah, he's like looking out at the water
1: hmm. Hawk tells Barry to turn around slowly. Barry's like, I won't go back. He has a noose tied around his neck. Stabler is like on the other side and stands behind him ready to pounce. Mm-hmm. And then Barry's like,
0: "Now!" And like makes a. What? This guy immediately strikes me as childlike, mm-hmm. which puts a this guy was framed and Hawk's got tunnel vision pit in my stomach.
1: hmm. So Barry makes a leap for the edge of the pier, but Stabler snags him. This dude is like really strong and like throws Hawk off him. And then Hawk punches Barry in the gut. Mm-hmm. Hawk tells Stabler it's his collar, and Stabler starts reading Barry's rights. But there's like 20 minutes left, and there I'm like, there has to be some crazy twist because there's 20 minutes left in the episode. That's like 50 weeks.
0: And this is like the first person they've suspected, so mm-hmm. it's never the first guy.
1: Never. Well,
0: sometimes. It's rarely the first guy.
1: It's rarely the first guy.
0: So we're in the It's occasionally the first guy, but not this time. (laughs) Every now and then it's the first guy. Once in a while (laughs) they mix it up. (laughs) <laughs> but it's
1: the the first guy, but not now. <laughs> we don't think anyways. Not sure. We'll find out. TBD. Here we go. <laughs> We're in the interrogation room. Hawk, Stabler, and Barry are there. He doesn't know who Celia or Jennifer is, and he was like, Oh my god, the other night I was it was my mom it was my birthday and he and I was with my mom and I was in bed at ten because that's lice out. That's where I'm like, Oh my god, someone's framing this guy. Like he mm-hmm. doesn't seem like he's you know he's not charming yeah. he wouldn't know how to wine and like wine and yeah. dine a gal like something's off hawk's like if you didn't kill them why did you have their cutout newspaper articles in his drawer in your apartment he's like my mom gave them to me and told me to be careful and that you were gonna try to put me back in jail and this guy is like super confused the whole time and he's like you lied to me hawk you told me if i signed the paper I could go home like obviously a confession he's like obviously forced him into mm-hmm. confessing right this guy that like doesn't know what's going on and it's like super clear right and then hawks and barry's face he's like you right, Raped and killed these women. Barry keeps yelling back, and he's like, "No!" And then he stands up and freaks out, and like flips the table over. Yep. And then Hawk grabs him and shoved him up against the wall and starts backhanding him. Oh, it was stupid. And this guy is like crying, like he's, literally crying.
0: He's like, "I want my mom." Oh my god. As soon as Mm -hmm. he said, I want my mom, my insides just crack open. So it's during this that Stabler's watching, going, like you see him go, uh, Hmm. I don't think this is him.
1: Yeah. He's trying to get Hawk off him, sort of like how Olivia was trying to get him off of that other guy, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. So this dude
1: is like literally begging for his mom. And like, you can tell Stabler knows he didn't do it. Like we all know he didn't do it at this point. Yeah. So we're in in Kragan's office. Everybody's there. Even Cabot. Hawkins is pissed because they have to cut Barry loose because the DNA isn't back yet. He's like, you guys, it's the killer's signature. <laughs> did you notice how he said that? <laughs> signature. No. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It was
0: weird. Hawkins was like, you can't cut him loose. It's Barry's signature. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's the killer's signature. Yes. We don't think Barry is the killer.
1: Yeah. Kraken's like, Barry obviously has like a mental disability. But he absolutely did not say mental disability in the episode.
0: No. It's 2001 and mm-hmm. to it, again, just like the, what was I talking about before that seemed crazy that they the said, R oh, when thing. he said, fa- yeah, it seems crazy that the R word was still used like in a professional setting at right. the time. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, or like, uh, you know, being shown on bong, bong, boom fucking ABC and just like, well, he was, you know, blah, blah, blah.
1: Yeah.
0: Hawk's like, dude,
1: Barry's smarter than you think. Put him in a room with me and he'll be singing a different tune. And Kraken's like, nobody is going in a room with him alone. His mom reached out to legal aid and he's got a lawyer now. Mm-hmm. Cab is like, we have nothing to hold him on right now. And then Hawk says, will you all sit around with your thumb up your asses? I'm going to go canvas his mug. You remember? Police work? Yeah. And then he takes off so they're all like yeah roger isn't the fucking soho strangler
0: after all and then we're like oh my god craigen wants them to take a look at the archives and go over the old soho strangler files because they need to find yeah. something else
1: and you can like kind of see on stabler's face he's like done being a prick and he's like back on board with whatever needs to be done to do his job right you know he's yeah. like yep let's do this
0: he's back in save the day stabes mode yeah oh thank god Oh my I'm glad you're here. Hope you didn't take any of this home to Kath and the kids.
1: Jeez now we're in the archives Benson and Stabler are down there like walking talking Benson says that Hawkins would never admit that he's wrong especially if he hears it from a woman she also tells him that he's a drunk and like nobody in Manhattan South will ride with him anymore and Stabler's kind of feeling defensive for Hawkins and he's like Mm -hmm. he's old school you know and other cops should shut up and do their job Benson's like dude I'm just trying to help you out and tell you to watch your back that's it yeah so they get to the archive guy up in the ladder and uh he's like sorry guys it's already been checked out by Hawkins and Benson's like this
0: guy Guy's trying to cover his ass.
1: And Stabler's like, I'll handle it. We're
0: friends now. I'll take, I'll handle it.
1: So we're at Hawkins house. Stabler's knocking on the door and you can hear some of the tape recording from when Hawkins was interviewing Barry back in the early 80s. Just even the little bit that you hear, it's like completely Hawkins telling Barry what to say.
0: Feeding him the entire thing.
1: Yeah. Stabler walks in. You see Hawk with the files everywhere, smoking a cigarette inside his house. Gross. I know. With a glass of whiskey. Or bourbon or something.
0: You can tell that he's in like a daze of realizing Mm -hmm. everything, realizing that he was wrong. He's just like sweatpants and bourbon. And like staring up at stage, like, holy shit, dude.
1: Hawk says he recently found a neighbor that alibied Barry. He was home when Celia and Jennifer were killed and he knows he fucked up and Stabler's like we'll we'll get this guy Hawk goes over to a case of fucking booze grabs another bottle and like pours another drink so he starts kind of telling the story about what happened in the 80s or whatever so back when he caught the case he had only had his shield for like a year and wanted to show everybody that he was a badass cop a neighborhood said that they had seen a flower delivery person leaving Larissa Cutler's apartment she was one of the Soho Strangler's early victims Hawkins went down to the flower shop and searched the dude's truck and found like women's underwear porno etc even the same rope that tied up the victims so you can see why he was like this guy did it I mean their rope part at least I don't know I, yeah. guess if I, mean, like... I mean
0: he was framed but
1: yeah so he grilled Barry over and over until he had convinced himself that Barry was the one that did this
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he was like look if you just fucking sign a confession I'll let you go home
0: yeah and he's like he believed me
1: Yeah. And this is like totally a Manitowoc thing. Remember the Avery's, whatever. Who was the...
0: Um, Brendan Dassey.
1: Brendan Dassey.
0: So yeah, it's very, it's Brendan Dassey. It's Jesse Kelly. It's Joe Airdy. It's Mm -hmm. like...
1: That video of that where he's like, okay, so can I go take my chest now? And they're like, um, no." no, you know. Like, he's just...
0: It's heartbreaking. Fucking Joe Arity was executed. Who was he again? Oh, he was a dude in the 30s who was convicted of rape and murder and was executed when he was like 23. And then they found that it wasn't him. But he had like a a mental disability, Mm -hmm. but like a little more severe, like to the point where they're like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. But yeah, one of many. This happens all the time.
1: Yeah. Stabler's like, you have a chance to make this right. Hawk says, I took 18 years from an innocent man. Like God knows how many women died because of it. You can't make something like that right. So Stabler pulls a hawk and is at the fucking bar and he's like, so what are you going to do, quit? And then Hawk just pounds his drink and there's like silence. And, th- and then it's just like quiet for a minute and Stabler's like, you know what? You want to drink yourself to death? I can't stop you. But what are you going to tell the parents of those girls? You made a promise to them. If you're the man I think you are, you'll keep it. And there's like this little sexy stare off. Mm-hmm. So then the next scene, Stabler is like holding hold up at Hawk's dinner table with files and stuff everywhere.
0: We got fresh eyes on this now, boys. Yeah.
1: He, he finds something. <sighs> This is one of those things. <laughs>
0: You're like... I know. <laughs> Bear, fucking, fucking hawk surrounded by files. People are digging in shit. People are, there's like a team working on it. There's forensics. There's that lab guy who's mm-hmm. like, oh, man, I got it all figured out. Maybe if I could just get this, I could figure it out. And Stabler's like, oh, let me settle in here to take a look. Whoa. <laughs> Did you see these two pieces of paper were stuck together? Arthur Blessard. Look at this. That's what I found. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, gonna keep to, as long as what? you're laughing, I'm going to keep talking in a stupid voice. Like, <laughs> I love it, though, because it's, so, it's true, because it's like 18 years. It's like, whatever. 18 years, and Saber was like, hang on, let me take a look at it. Let me take a quick, let me take a little gander. Let me just put my little peepers. It's A little quick, little quick peek. Ooh, ooh, oh, what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. So... He finds something. Arthur Blesser. He was one of the guys who ID'd Barry three weeks before one of the victims was killed. One of his first victims. Mm-hmm. She had an appointment in her calendar for her tax man with the initials AB. A B. Hawk comes out of the shower wearing a robe. Yeah, you know, and he's like, oh, I never put this together. <laughs> All this time. Arthur. (laughs) And Hawk and Saber go to the basement where Hawk has all of his notes on the Soho Strangler case. He's like, I used to make sketches of faces so I could keep all the suspects in order. And oh my God, Arthur, Blessard has glasses. Who's blind as a bat? (laughs) It's just... (gasps) The contact. Maybe the same prescription as the contact left on victim Celia's floor. Who knows? I'm going to say, yeah, because we're winding down the episode. Yeah. (laughs)
0: This is about that time. Yeah, cool. And we're in the squad room, and... Munch has command of everybody. He says they traced the M.O. from the 1983 strangulations with the current murders. VICAP came back with 12 more murders in different parts of the country that matched the M.O. Arthur Blessard's employment history is in several of those locations.
1: You almost it, did the voice for
0: those. I was doing the voice. <laughs> Just rec- Arthur Blessard's employment history. <laughs> Arthur Blessard's employment history is in several of those locations
1: dude svu these detectives need to be in the fucking fbi or something or like on some elite like squad elite squad no i mean i I knew i shouldn't have said the elite uh like mercenary fuck i don't know what like because they can find anything they have, like, oh, bionic you, eyes.
0: You mean, like, when Stabler left and was, like, in fucking Italy?
1: Yeah, or whatever, you know? Yeah.
0: So, it literally shows the evolution of Arthur's M.O. So, they're mm-hmm. still contacting different police departments in different states and cities, but it looks like Chicago is where he started to mutilate the victims to hide the bite marks.
1: Which is so smart, by the way.
0: Ugh. I mean, I don't I, even do you like know, to give it that. I know. Do you know
1: what I mean, though? Like, that's smart.
0: I mean, it's, like, kind of like, duh, duh dental records and all that shit are yeah that's been around longer than dna so right the fact that it took him that long to do that i would argue that that's fucking stupid all right so, I'll, I'll go that way. now now i can't help but be, i'm like i would argue that that's fucking stupid
1: <laughs> i would go that way too then i'm fine with him being, being stupid too it's, yeah
0: he's dumb
1: i'm not like this guy's a fucking genius i want to marry him you don't Something like, like smart
0: guys you just like beefy angry guys <laughs> So another thing is he started slitting throats in Atlanta. And in every case, the signature matches. Hawkins walks in and tells them that Arthur now works at 26 Federal Plaza, the fucking IRS. Whoa. So now we're at the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> Stabler, Benson, and Hawk are all at the IRS now. Blessard's boss is showing them to his desk. This guy looks like a mm-hmm. cliche hotel concierge from the 90s. Like a tiny mustache, but still like a stuffy vibe. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Like porn stash. People
0: were miscast here.
1: Yeah, this is a weird one.
0: He says that Arthur's probably out in the field. He's one of the busiest auditors. Oh, that tells us something. <laughs> All three of them start going through Arthur's shit, and this guy's like, well, Hey, hey, what are you doing? Hey, it's so <laughs> yeah. funny. <if> this, <laughs> the way this guy is,
1: like, wait hey, a minute, you guys,
0: guys you come got, on. Get, hey, it's like that fucking kid uh, in Billy Madison when, <laughs> when Norm McDonald, no, it wasn't Norm McDonald, it was. In peace rest in peace uh fucking the other dude spraying the kid with the hose and he's like who are you mister (laughs) i don't even know you that's right and he's like (laughs) (laughs) anyway so this is that guy this is him he grew up and he was on svu but he aged in reverse benjamin button brad pitt oh my god my head's gonna explode (laughs) benson hands the dude a warrant so he can go and like fucking calm down yeah Um, they find Jennifer and Celia's files in his office, in his little cubicle. He was using their tax returns to get to them. She's like, he's Mm -hmm. using this as a dating service. Benson finds his appointment book and it says he'll be at Beverly Parson's house at 5 p.m. Oh my God. This is the, so in
1: my notes, I wrote, let me guess, that's 15 minutes away. And then Stabler checks his watch and it's 445. And I was like, oh my God, like I called it the only thing i was right about this whole episode i'm a fucking genius <laughs> oh so now we go to beverly parsons apartments the music that they're playing is like weird charlie brown almost music like christmas music you know that like oh. the line part never mind i was like da-da. no not that one
0: Christmas time is here
1: maybe I don't know what I was da, thinking da,
0: na, 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 na. Mm. just keep do, keep reading and I'll just do this in the background okay da, na, so Benson Sable
1: and Hawks are running running up to the front door and they hear glass break da, they k- uh, Stabler kicks in the door this time. <laughs> I can't do this. I know, I can't either. <laughs> a woman and a man are picking up glass off the floor, and they're like super surprised. Hawk throws Arthur up against the wall and tells him he's under arrest. Also, Arthur has a bandage on his left hand. Benson checks on Beverly. She's fine. She doesn't know what's going on. She, her hand was bloody because she was picking up the vase that she dropped. um <laughs> the buzz and and he had brought her a bunch of white roses oh my god so now we got Beverly in the interview room
0: and it's great because it goes like back and forth between the two Mm-hmm. I don't like that name, Beverly. One of my favorite aunties is my Aunt Bev. Well, you can say Bev. Beverly. Beverly said that Arthur
1: contacted her about a week ago about some irregularities on her tax return. She met with him at his office and said he had found some more discrepancies. She was like, he could tell how nervous I was and offered to take her to lunch. P.S. Beverly is a little petite blonde blue-eyed gal. So now we're in the interrogation room with Arthur. Arthur says he felt sorry for her. And the way the camera's facing, it's like... Arthur's kind of like got his head turned and talking behind him because Stabler and Hawk are standing behind him on either side of the door. A couple Mm -hmm. of guard dogs.
0: Yeah, I love it. Yeah.
1: Stabler looks so hot in that too, by the way, with his arms crossed.
0: Yeah, he sure does. He really does.
1: Hawks asks, Arthur, do you normally give out that much attention to your clients? And he's like, we're all not a bunch of soulless bureaucrats, which is absolutely not true. You all are. You are. (laughs) So now we're back in the interview room with Beverly. Beverly tells Benson she's a pediatric nurse, which is like also the soul killer likes women that work with children. Arthur called her at the hospital saying he accidentally had double booked. He apologized and insisted on taking her to dinner. God, my fucking IRS. Like, I would never, I would be like, no. You know what I mean? Like, it's just odd. Mm. It'd be so weird to like... But
0: it's that whole thing about being a woman and being polite.
1: Yeah, especially if somebody has power over their fucking finances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now we're back in the Arthur interrogation room. He says dinner was her idea. Hawk's like, aren't there rules against fraternizing with clients? And he's like, well, her audit was winding down. She seemed like a nice enough girl and I just went for it. Now we're back in the beverly interrogation room she says that's when things got weird he started asking her a lot of questions about her personal life and she stands up and kind of moves around like tightens her little like cardigan like she's uncomfortable Mm -hmm, and she's like and then tonight he showed up at my apartment with flowers and she feels like she shouldn't have let him in but she thought she could let him down gently without screwing up her taxes
0: this is why we're mean to dudes Mm -hmm. be a fucking dick Yeah. Be a dick. Like, my first instinct is to, like, if I feel weird, my first instinct is to let somebody down easy, especially when it's a man, be polite, be pleasant. It's the safest thing, blah, blah, blah. No.
1: But it's hard, too, because, like, of that, like, um, Mm -hmm. like there's threat of murder
0: (laughs) you know what I mean so you're like yeah
1: like I you don't want to get killed
0: it's a predator prey yeah
1: and then if we have a day where
0: we're like I can't take it you're like did you get your period you're like oh my god (laughs) you know (laughs) I know I fucking hate um well I hate everything so let's just keep going
1: all right Arthur's interrogation room Hawk wants to know why he came back was the temptation too great hawk said i put away an innocent man for your crimes dude and then arthur laughs and says like he's like this is crazy and then hawk mm-hmm. fucking shoves the table aside and gets in his face on one side he's like you know it's crazy Artie? sitting in your eight by ten eating your last meal now stabler gets in his face on the other side he's like walking down that hallway to the room's gurney i took a picture yeah of <laughs> both of them
0: yelling in his ear <laughs>
1: Yeah. Arthur says he's not going to confess to something he didn't do. Hawk grabs him by the fucking collar and he's like, if you're going to keep it up and put your head through a wall. And Arthur's like, I'll be sure to tell my lawyer that. And then Stabler says, I didn't see anything. So what's interesting is like Stabler and Hawk are like kind of taking bits of each other's personality and like using it.
0: Mm -hmm. And well, I think they're just similar dudes. So like I'm watching this going, Hawk and Stabes would be terrible partners. Yeah. They would be the kind of partners that got us to a place where people are like, fucking defund the police because these guys are the kind of guys who would you know turn a blind eye mm-hmm. Stabler said as much I, mean, yeah. I didn't see anything Right. like that's fucked up you it can't is. do that Yeah. and it's being glamorized it's being glamorized but I mean, in the early 2000s <laughs> that's what
1: they're the show's doing like they're like yeah. Hawks learning from Stabler to keep it a little more cool and Stabler's like I don't know what the fuck he's learning because he does all the shit all the time
0: I don't know no I think they're just similar dudes yeah. that are like growing respect for each other because they both are fucked up yeah they're both fucked up cops now we're in the squad room (laughs) toots said they searched arthur's apartment and they found a lens case with a single contact and a receipt for jean's flower it's the same flower shop that barry works at where's the other (laughs) contact (laughs) it's on her floor (laughs) benson points out that it's obvious that Barry was set up. And we're all like, thank you for getting there, Mm -hmm. everybody. Yep. Actually, they were all kind of there like way earlier. And Hawk's like, yeah, I've been there for a while too, Tasha. Just like fucking back off (laughs) anyway. Hawkins and Stabler come into the squad room and tell the whole gang that Arthur lawyered up. Cabot says they can't really hold him on anything because the contact and receipt are circumstantial. Even the DNA from the hair won't do anything because he'll argue that he was an invited guest into her apartment. Well, they've made cases with less. This is Craig and obviously, we've made cases with less! How many times does he say that? I know. Well, and Cabot's like, yeah, well, it's even more difficult because we have to contend with the history that Barry is considered to be the Soho Strangler and its public record. We cut to Talk during this and he's listening to cabot talk nodding fully internally blaming himself Mm -hmm. i don't feel sorry for him because he did like strong arm somebody into confessing to something he didn't do Mm -hmm. but like anybody who has any sort of remorse i want to give a little more grace to yeah his remorse is genuine cabot tells them They have to be careful because if they take him to trial and he gets acquitted, he has a fucking lifetime pass. So they have to tie him more definitively to the murders.
1: Yeah. And then I put a picture in there because like when Hawkins turns his face around, he looks exactly like Michael C. Hall from Dexter, doesn't he? You, The picture that I grabbed.
0: I would have never agreed with you, but the photo you Mm -hmm. took. Yeah. He looks just like Michael C. Hall. Yeah. Specifically in In, Dexter. Yeah. In that position, though. That's it. Yes. That's it. Yeah.
1: You can see Olivia's face. She's like, I think so, too.
0: (laughs) She's like, yeah. Oh, my God. Am I his sister? Do I love him? (laughs) So Hawkins, bing, has an idea. So in the older murders, Arthur wasn't as experienced or as neat as he developed into being. It's been 18 years, but the evidence boxes are still at Pearson Place. Back in the lab. We're back with our favorite lab guy, Boston Rob. (laughs) I didn't take down all of his quotes this time. But he did the same fucking thing. Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob. (laughs) This lab guy tells Stabler and Hawk that they went through all the old evidence and it was all useless. Even all the old bite marks aren't deep enough to pin on anyone. So they were able to get a little bit of DNA from a blood and semen mixture from the first victim, Marsha Johnson, to create a panel. The whole time he holds up the fucking clipboard with the panel. He's like, right here, we got a panel. (laughs) But the sample, the sample's mixed. Uh... (laughs) The sample's mixed, so we gotta find DNA from both the victim and the suspect separately and then he clutches it like fucking Jesse Spano walking to class. <laughs> um, you know what you're gonna have to do is a they didn't know what he talks like. You know what you're gonna have to do is um bury the body to get the DNA. So <laughs> See you at the game.
1: <laughs> I don't know. So
0: now we're at Marsha
1: Johnson's parents' house. The first thing that comes out is just this older woman going, No. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. she doesn't she doesn't want them to unbury their daughter. They just want her to rest.
0: Yeah. And she, oh, yeah. this lady.
1: Stabler and Hawk are trying to convince them, but they really just aren't into it. So, yeah, this mom is amazing. And she kind of stands up and like walks over to the, all the pictures of her daughter and she's telling them about how hard it's been for her. And then this is the part where I'm thinking like they're trying to show that Hawk is like taking. A little bit from Stabler, like when Stabler can be like gentle with clients, you know? Or I mean clients Sorry, uh gentle with people. <laughs> sure. Hawk tells her that he put the wrong man away for her daughter's murder, and he has to carry that along with all the deaths of the daughter since then. He says he mm-hmm. promised to put Marcia's killer away, but he can't do it without her help. And he's like being Calm and cool, instead of being like "fuck you, give me your bones" or whatever. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> well, you know, because that's how he normally kicks yeah, in doors yeah. or whatever. Like, I get
0: what you're, I get what you're saying. Where he's learning from Stabler because he is, yeah, he's got a finesse that he like refused to have in the beginning. Yeah. So
1: Marsh's dad asks how many others have been killed since her, and Stabler said that there's been seven that they know of.
0: Hawkins tells her that if he doesn't get it right this time. There's a guy that's gonna go out there and keep on killing. Mm-hmm. He's like pointing outside. Yeah. I'm waving my arm around like someone can see me.
1: So, Marsha's mom wants to know exactly what they have to do to the body. And Sabler lets her know that they just have to get some DNA for analysis from one of her bones. There's no other way to do it.
0: Yeah. And Hawk's like, she's our only hope. Or, help me, you on Kenobi. <laughs> that's not what she says. He says, he goes, she's our last hope. She's my last hope. Mm-hmm. And we're like, <gasps> Hawk. So, now we're in the cemetery. They're digging up Marsha's grave.
1: Her sweet parents are there.
0: They're in their Sunday best, almost like they're reliving her funeral. Yeah.
1: I don't know if I would want to be there. Would you?
0: I don't know. I mean. It's hard to say. Maybe it gives them like a, like some sort of feeling of like control, Mm -hmm. you know, or they're, they're there with her or something, you know, you know, kind of like holding your kid's hand through something. I don't know.
1: Stabler and Hawk are both where There's a lot of
0: symbology there. Yeah
1: sailor and hawk are
0: symbolism do you know what i'm
1: talking about sailor and hawks
0: my god at least acknowledge it so i can keep (laughs) moving along without being like you get it (laughs) sorry you get it
1: so Stabler and hawks are also wearing hawks
0: you ever see the boondock saints
1: (laughs) god that was such a good movie and the second one michael c hall's character dexter's girlfriends in it Mm -hmm. oh why is this all pointing to michael c hall this is a serial killer.
0: Six degrees of separation. Oh, my God. Michael C. unzips zips and he's Kevin Bacon.
1: <laughs> so n- now it's the street scene. Sirens are blaring and pulling up to Arthur Blessard's apartment. Hawk and Stabler are pounding on the door. There's some rustling and they are like one, two, three. And they both kick in the door together. <laughs> so Arthur ran out the fire escape and Hawk sees him. So Arthur's climbing up and and Hawk follows. Stabler goes back in the room. He's like, Hawk? <laughs> like, doesn't know where anybody is. And <laughs> yeah. But then he sees the open window and goes out and heads up.
0: Oh, my God. I took a video of that, too. So Stabes like, pops out the window. And he <laughs> pops out the window with his gun first. And he, with his mouth, goes... Whoo. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I'm going to post it.
1: When he goes in that room, he goes like this, like Hawk. It reminded me of those, you know how when people like c- hide behind the door and then they call their dog, the dog like runs in and is like, <laughs> like that's what he looked like to me. So they're all in pursuit of Arthur. Sam just trying to fucking keep up and figure out where they are there's all these signs that say restricted area danger and i'm thinking oh somebody's gonna get accidentally like electrocuted or something
0: can i mention also the music during this entire scene it's almost
1: like porn music
0: it's like it's like porny but like low budge action movie yeah. music it's uh, incredible they when mm-hmm. they squealed up sirens blaring i laughed my fucking death. yeah off. it was so fucking funny
1: they <laughs> still running around this fucking roof trying to find his owner <laughs>
0: because the dog joke yeah yeah yeah,
1: it's called back
0: see how i did that see how i recognized (laughs) your joke
1: yeah but mine was funny though so it's kind of like yeah it's true (laughs) (laughs) so then you hear this guy go ah i thought it was like somebody falling oh yeah and then (laughs) Blar! Blar! <laughs> then Stabler finds him and Hawk is standing on the edge of the roof looking down at Arthur and he like
0: fucking Scar and Mufasa yep. I was transported oh my
1: god don't even I'm gonna be thinking about that all day and then Arthur is like hanging over the <sighs> roof edge
0: killed Mufasa
1: Arthur is hanging over the roof, clinging onto the edge. Stabler's like, Hawk, bro, don't do this. And Hawk's like, the system sucks. This is just natural selection. And then steps on one of Arthur's hands. And then I was like, I'm invested now. And I think it was the porn music or something. But I was like, oh my God, don't do this. This this dude needs to be in prison forever. Like, let him suffer. Like, what are you? he's gotta pay for his crimes uh, he, he drops from his arms being over to just his fingertips on the edge now
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: Stabler tells Hawk that if he does this he's no better than Arthur and then Hawk's like at least he won't be killing anyone else and Stabler's like it's no way to end it and then Hawk's like oh Arthur is an evil man and Stabler says what Hawk told him in the diner all it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing cheers <laughs> no I'm just kidding um <laughs>
0: <laughs> he pulls out a fucking. S- Dog in the Ziploc bag that's like dripping in the corner with <laughs> bourbon in it. It's like,
1: oh. and then Hawk is like still stepping on his fingers, and Arthur's screaming. and Hawkins says to Sabler, Are you gonna make an old drunk do all the work? Give me a hand. And they pull Arthur up and handcuff him. And Sabler says to Hawk, It's your collar. And Hawk reads him his rights, and that's the end.
0: They got their guy, and they respect each other. Yay! Yay! <laughs> And then they link dicks into the sunset. <laughs> yeah, they're both like, flapping the sun their arms. Set it over their linked dicks.
1: <laughs> oh, I thought you were, they
0: were like both flapping their arms, flying off with their dicks <laughs> together. Oh, see, I was picturing them like with their hands on their hips, leaning into each other with their <laughs> dicks linked, and then like the sun is setting like their linked dicks are the horizon. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Guess what? Uh, who are you guessing? What are you guessing we're going to talk about? chaser wise oh uh shit um i'll tell you we're talking about the boston strangler okay i don't know if i know the boston strangler i mean i'm sure once i start hearing about it i will yeah june 14th 1962 55 year old anna slessers was last seen entering her apartment at 5 30 p.m that evening Her son, Eurus, was going to pick her up at 7 p.m. to go to church for a memorial service. So now it's 7.45. Eurus has been there since 7, trying to bust in. He finally was able to break the door down, and he found her on the kitchen floor of her apartment. She was in an open house coat with her body exposed, and the belt of her robe was tied in a bow around her neck. It was a combination of a granny knot, a square knot, and a double half hitch, like very technical knots. And she had been sexually assaulted with a foreign object oh James Mellon and John Driscoll were the first detectives on the scene and saw that the house had been ransacked but nothing was taken so it was like I'm gonna make it look like a robbery and Mm -hmm. no after Anna's murder over the next few months five other women between the ages of 65 and 85 were murdered similarly sexually assaulted and strangled with their own nylon stockings in their own home now actually i'm gonna push my glasses up (laughs) 85 year old mary mullen was found dead of a heart attack on her couch the only reason she's considered one of the boston stranglers victims is because the dude who ended up confessing had confirmed that he was there and said that she had collapsed as soon as he had grabbed her Mm -hmm. so the assumption was she literally was scared to death So she was like, her cause of death was a heart attack. Oh my gosh. But Yeah, but he was gonna kill her. So they were first calling this guy the mother killer because it was all of these older women. Then out of the blue in December of that same year, younger women started being killed. Sophie Clark was 20 and Patricia Jane Bullock-Bissett was 22, they were found, like the others, sexually assaulted and strangled with their nylon stockings in their homes, but they were significantly younger. So it was like, killers have patterns. Killers have MOs, Mm -hmm. you know? Bizarre. And then a few months later, in March of 1963, Marianne Brown, again, a much older woman, 69, was found in her apartment, raped and strangled, but she had also been beaten and stabbed so it was like there were variations of it going on hmm. the only other vic to be found stabbed in her home was the next one beverly Salmons. but again she was young 26 the rest of that year there were three more women found again in their homes raped and strangled with nylons evelyn corbin 58 joanne marie graff 22 and marianne sullivan 19 jeez that's so crazy yeah These, like age gaps And there's a similar thread of the methods in which were used to kill them, but also variations in that too, which is like, it's weird. Then on October 27th, 1964, a man posing as a detective entered a woman's apartment. He tied her to her bed, sexually assaulted her, apologized, and left. This woman's description led police to Albert DeSalvo. Albert DeSalvo was born in Chelsea, Massachusetts to Frank and Charlotte DeSalvo. His dad was a terribly abusive alcoholic who relentlessly beat Charlotte in front of the kids. He would also bring home sex workers and do stuff with them in front of his wife and kids. Cool. Yeah, he was awful. Growing up, Albert got into one of the major serial killer red flags that we all know and hate, torturing animals. He was also shoplifting and stealing regularly until he was picked up for battery and burglary at 12. He was sent to Lyman School for Boys, which is basically juvie, and was in and out of there a couple times through his youth until joining the army. Then in the army, he was honorably discharged, re-enlisted, and given a court-martial after getting back in, but then was honorably discharged again. Hmm. He, he just had a lot of issues. And at one point, he became an inmate at a state mental hospital. This guy had a rough a rough life and made a lot of rough choices yeah. as an adult. Back to present day of what we're talking about, DeSalvo was arrested and being held for sexual assault. While being held, he told fellow inmate George Nasser that he was the Boston Strangler. George Nasser's like, "Hello my lawyer, um This guy just told me that he's the Boston Strangler. And that's what got DeSalvo on the radar of police for the Strangler murders. Once his photo was published, women began identifying him as their attacker. Initially, police were like, oh, he's the measuring man. So we did talk about the measuring man. OK, mm-hmm. he was a serial rapist who would enter women's homes, sexually assault them, then like weirdly apologize and leave. Yeah.
1: This was the one about the like models in season mm-hmm. one, right? Yeah. Yeah. OK, that's what I'm.
0: So then they moved forward with this. Desavo had then confessed two separate times with professionals, once under hypnosis and also once regular out of hypno. What is it? Therapy? Not in hypnosis. <laughs> yeah. Confession regular. Um <laughs> But there was no physical evidence, so he was never charged, which is bananas considering cases like the West Memphis Three and others where all of them were coerced confessions and that's Mm -hmm. what they hung their hats on but right. it was said that his confession had a bunch of glaring inaccuracies um but were later spot on which infers that he was given information by the police or something and there were many women who were attacked and survived that said he wasn't the one who had attacked them but there were details that he knew right off the bat that he wouldn't have known mm-hmm. like without actually being there so it's been a major debate also it's like they're talking to women who are attacked and women who are like surviving attacks as if there's only one possible option for who's attacking them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also like that's another one of the things with the Strangler, with like all of these murders that are attributed to the Boston Strangler, it's still not even like clear that it was not more than one person. Right.
1: Especially with the two different ages and stuff. Yeah.
0: The different ages, the occasions where people were stabbed. It's just like those are big differences. Back to court where he wasn't being charged with 13 murders, Instead, he was tried for the rape and burglary. DeSalvo's attorney, F. Lee Bailey, who, fun fact, the fellow inmate that DeSalvo originally confessed to, F. Lee Bailey was his lawyer, hmm He's like, hey, my lawyer, F. Lee Bailey, this guy fucking confessed to murdering these women. Yeah. And Bailey's like, I'm going to represent him. So DeSalvo's attorney, F. Lee Bailey, tried to bring his confession to trial to set up an insanity defense, but the judge threw it out. Like, he wasn't on trial for these rapes and murders, but it's weird that the defense wanted to bring it to trial, but he wanted to bring it to trial so he could be like, listen, this guy is not well- and try to get the best deal. He knew he was going to be convicted, you know? Right. So they ended up agreeing to a plea bargain. Desavo would plead guilty. In exchange, the death penalty was not an option. Also in this deal, Bailey maintained the opportunity to have an eventual insanity verdict. I don't understand fully how they were going to do that. Yeah. But that was what the lawyer was going for. Mm-hmm. The jury gave DeSavo life in prison. Hmm. So lawyer Bailey was pissed all around about this. After trial, he said, quote... My goal was to see the strangler wind up in a hospital, where doctors could try to find out what made him kill. Society is deprived of a study that might help deter other mass killers who live among us waiting for the trigger to go off inside them. Mm. So it was almost like he was trying to do a noble thing by defending him. I'm not 100% certain. That's me speculating.
1: Yeah, he's like, I want him to be in a hospital for science. Kind of like, we got to figure out what's up with these people, you know?
0: Yeah. So DeSalvo goes to prison. Literally, like, right after he gets there, he escapes with two other dudes. Um <laughs> And he left a note for them. He's like, the conditions here are unacceptable or whatever. (laughs) And then three days later, he called his lawyer to turn himself in um, and return to prison. So then they're like, okay, you're going to Walpole, a maximum security facility. It was at Walpole that he recanted his entire confession, which would of course have zero effect on anything really, because he was in for life on a different charge. Right. Either way, it doesn't matter. He was found dead, stabbed to death in the prison infirmary on November 25th, 1973. Whoa. In 2013, DNA evidence preserved from the final crime scene was used to ID Albert DeSalvo. At this time, the Boston Police Commission, Ed Davis, said that they were 99.9% certain that DeSalvo was responsible for Mary Ann Sullivan's death, the 19 year old, the final victim. Uh huh. The way the cops got it was so SVU. They had to first make a familial match for a judge to let them exhume DeSalvo. Mm -hmm. So they followed his nephew, Tim DeSalvo, to a job site in Boston and Mm -hmm. swiped a water bottle that he had been drinking from and discarded. Woo! Damn. The DNA from Mary's case was the only DNA evidence from any of the murders. So they decided that this meant he was definitely the Boston Strangler and it was put to rest. But there's still people that speculate differently. The MOs are different from the beginning to the end. So it's not completely wrapped up. There's only proof from one of the murders. So it'll probably never be wrapped up. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's bananas, but like anything, like stuff can continue to come up. It's so crazy. Like he was killed in the seventies in the early 73, 40 years later, they're like, oh yeah, he killed Marianne Sullivan. And now we know it for a fact. Yeah. And they're like, well, wasn't an innocent guy. So that's good. So that's good. But yeah, so I mean, it's still up in the air. There's been like movies and fucking books and all kinds of shit. There was even, who's it, Marianne Sullivan's family, her nephew had written a book after she was murdered or like years later, he wrote a book because they didn't believe that they had the right guy. They didn't believe that DeSalvo really murdered her. So like there's a, I can't remember what the book's called, but he wrote a book about it. It wasn't until that they brought them the DNA that he and his mom were like, well, shit, you know? Yeah. And also it's, like, comforting because it's like, oh, my God, we've been, like, wanting to find the killer. And thankfully, he's, I mean, he's been dead since the 70s. Yeah. Hmm. That's crazy. Next week, I think we're going to do a little intermish because we got, like, a wild-ass story. and Really? Yes. And I'm going to, when we get done with this, I'm going to, we're going to, I'm going to read it to you. But do you want to, what's the, um? what's the next SVU episode we're doing?
1: Okay, so... There's season three, episode seven, Sacrifice. Benson and Stabler. I hate it. (laughs) Benson and Stabler enter the world of pornography when they investigate the shooting and rape of an unidentified man outside of a gay club. Fuck. Fucking Zach Morris is in it.
0: (gasps) I can't wait. Okay, now I can't wait.
1: (laughs) And then somebody from Wet Hot American Summer. And then somebody else, I think.
0: This is going to be. Oh, I hated it. And now I love it. I'm so excited.
1: Like the first few times I saw him, I was like, is that fucking Zach Morris? Then I was like, oh it and is. And then Zach yeah.
0: Attack started playing, and you're like, it is. <laughs> and then uh, he paused time and was like, speak to the camera. Say by the bell stuff. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs>
1: Follow us on all social media at svu pod. Whoop whoop. Whoop whoop. Email us at svu pod at gmail.com. Go on our website, www.svupod.com. Dub dub dub. G-g-g-g-g-g-g-g
0: what's, what's, what's
1: what? We want to thank our patrons,
0: Elite Squad patrons.
1: Yep, Haley K, Sonia W, Jenny S, Sky K, Nikki B, Marissa M, Elke H, Sarah A, Annie G, and Mary D. We fucking appreciate you guys.
0: We appreciate you so much. Yeah.
1: yeah. Thanks so much for helping us do what we do. We love You're you.
0: All the best. You're helping us do this as a job, and we appreciate it. <laughs> okay, let's
1: see. What else?
0: Hashtag a little bit loud. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Love you, bang. Love you, bang. Wait, okay. Love you, bang. Love you, me Love you, bang.
1: I notice that I mumble and run things together when I'm listening back to the episodes. I'm like, so mm-hmm.
0: the thing that would be the easiest for me, and I've been grandma always called it, me motor mouth. <laughs> I bet she did. I bet a lot of people did. Um, No, but what would be easier for me is if you like... I'm kidding.
1: (laughs) Jesus. I'm kidding. Cut that out. Don't even put that on the Patreon. I won't. Okay. That was gross. Yeah. (laughs)